All right. Uh, welcome, everyone. Good afternoon to the Administration Projects and Planning Executive Committee meeting for the TAM Board of Directors. It's February 12th, and we'll go ahead and call the meeting to order and start with the roll call. Commissioner Collin, absent. Commissioner Catrano? I am present, and uh, I'm going to be participating virtually uh, and uh, request that you know, folks allow me to do so under the, the second just cause provision, um, given that I have a, I'm a little sick. All right. And um, Commissioner Catrano, do you, is there anybody over 18 at your location? Uh, no. Commissioner Poole? I'm here. Commissioner Malton Peters is absent. Chair Lincoln. Here. All right, uh, so we do have a quorum. Um, Jennifer, is there anything else we need to do for Commissioner Catrano? Or are we all, we, we, we checked all the boxes there? Great. Yes, we'll just need to do a roll call vote. On, okay. On our, um, uh, for anybody that is uh, joining via Zoom, all the instructions are on the agenda of how to participate in today's meeting. Welcome to all the staff that are here in the room and those joining us online. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into the agenda and start with uh, Chair's report and commissioner comments. Uh, I don't have anything to report. Commissioner Cool or Commissioner Catrano, anything to add? Nothing at this time. Not for me. All right, we'll turn it right over to our executive director for a report. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I have a few things to share. So uh, one of our recent meetings, we talked about the um, launch of the bike share program, which is expected later this year. And I wanted to let folks know that TAM and Sonoma County TA are providing a survey that will be up through February to help select the bike share program name. Um, so the survey can be found at our website, uh, tam.ca.gov. And choosing a name is an important step before launching a program because we have to get everything branded and set up. Um, so hopefully people can help spread the word uh, to submit the survey results. Um, and I think it'll be up through the end of the month. Um, changing subjects a little bit, uh, Marin County zero emission vehicle sales. So the California Energy Commission recently released their updated information on car sales through the state of California. And um, contrary to what people may have seen in the media about electric vehicle sales slowing, um, they're actually not really slowing in California and definitely not in Marin County. So in 2023, 37.7% of the car sales in Marin were zero emission or electric vehicles. And um, 38% were ZEVs in the fourth quarter of 2023, which is 12.7% uh, higher than the state average for 2023. And um, they have been increasing in Marin year over year, at least since 2018 and maybe uh, before that as well. So um, still strong sales in the county. Uh, I wanted to highlight something quickly that will actually be talked about in item five, but um, just to bring it to everyone's attention, uh, there was a recently announced expanded partnership structure for State Route 37. So this is a program that TAM has been involved with for many years, and um, a new structure was announced via a Caltrans press release and at the policy committee for State Route 37 that met, uh, I think, two weeks ago. 
Um, and the new structure is really intended to expand collaboration and now will include um, environmental agencies, tribes, and federal and state leaders, as well as all of the local and regional partners. So more info on that is actually included in the packet. Um, we did a little bit of a fun activity last month with our Citizens Oversight Committee, and um, they were treated to a tour of Marin Transit's Marin Access Facility in San Rafael, and also a hard hat tour of the Marin Sonoma Narrows construction project. Um, so uh, they were um, kind of walked around the Marin Transit Facility and given information on fleet maintenance, uh, vehicle parking, safety and training, the call center, and uh, all the other marine transit programs that are funded through TAMS measure A, A, and B, um, and given the opportunity to ask a lot of questions since this is such an important part of TAMS funding programs. Um, so many thanks to Marine Transit's general manager, Nancy Whelan, uh, Marine Transit staff, TransDev, and also Caltrans staff for the Marine Sonoma Narrows portion of the afternoon as well. And we totally lucked out with the weather because we had a very nice day and then the next day it was pouring rain. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, and I think the COC really appreciated the kind of hands-on opportunity as well. Um, just a couple other quick things in terms of community and sort of partner outreach. So last week um, I presented at the Marin Economic Forum's annual Forecasting the Future event. Um, it was very well attended, also very rainy that day. Uh, but it included an economic forecast from Dr. Rob Eiler and uh, perspectives from other sort of business interests around the county. Um, and uh, we've had a few follow-up phone calls asking about our Marin Commutes program, uh, which was one of the kind of highlights of the information that I provided. Um, and then some of you may be familiar with the Self-Help Counties Coalition, which is um, a kind of group that represents the 25 counties in the state that have voter approved transportation sales tax measures. They provide information and advocacy on statewide issues. Um, and they have rotating chair and vice chair positions among the agencies. So uh, I am pleased to uh, report, hopefully this will still, still be pleased two years from now that um, I was selected to serve as the vice chair of the Self-Help Coalition for the next two years. So uh, looking forward to that. And that concludes my report. Great, thank you so much. Uh, any questions for our executive director? Congrats on the vice chair role there for the self-help counties. Um, we'll move over to uh, open time for public expression. Any public comment? Don't see any here in the room, any online? Yes. This is for general public comment for items not on the agenda. We've got a two minute time limit. Jean Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I got the notice from Caltrans this morning that they're planning a, some kind of a study and a meeting on February 29th to study what they need to do between Sausalito 101 Interchange and the Richardson Bridge crossing in Manzanita. And that bike path is the North-South Greenway and it does flood frequently. And I... Um, I'm wondering if any of you know what's going on on that, and could we be sure that Caltrans knows that whatever they do there, they do really need to um, improve that bike path. Uh, thank you. And then are you going to take public comment on the other agenda items as you go? Yes, we will. Okay, thank you. Any other public comment? 
Chair, I don't see any additional hands raised at this time. I'll ask our executive director of the meeting on the 29th. If, are you familiar with that and anything you wanted to add? Um, we are aware that the meeting is happening, I guess I would say. And if you have, you know, if um, any of the public, whether here today or not, has uh, an interest in the project or wants to provide comments to Caltrans about what they should be considering, you know, I just encourage you to reach out to them. I think they um, are looking at different uh, sort of options for the meeting format as well, but uh, there should be an opportunity to provide comment no matter what. Gotcha. All right. Great. Um, move on to item number four, approval of our meeting minutes from September. We have a motion. I'm I'll second it. We have a motion from Commissioner Cool, second by Commissioner Catrano. Any questions, comments, public comment? Call the vote. Commissioner Catrano? Yes. Chair Cool? Yes. Chair Lincoln? Yes. That passes. Uh, review of the semi annual project status report. Okay, I'd like to invite the project team. Up to present this item. Uh, this is an action item, and the action is uh, just to refer it to the um, February board meeting for the board to consider and accept the report. Thank you. So, as you know, we try to do this every six months or so. It's not always exactly six mm -hmm. months, but try to tell you what's happening. We do have several projects that we have in the works at any given time. So, Jeffrey, you advanced the list of projects here. Um, we, uh, have eight projects and one of them we're not going to talk about since Bill will be talking about a little more later. Uh, but if some of these are in the construction phase, some are in the design phase and some are in the planning phase, but, uh, we'll get to those as we get to each of them. So Jennifer, if you keep moving on here, MSN, uh, Lots been happening, mostly positive. Um, the B7 project, which is the final gap within Marin County and actually the final gap for the HOV lane all the way through the MSN corridor uh, is uh, under under construction, as you know. Uh, we, uh, we are in the third of four phases. Uh, we've had we've shifted the traffic now twice already. We just shifted it again for the third phase. Uh, it went to the outside and then we do in the middle. Then we're moving part of it back over to do the other part of the middle. And then uh, work has to happen on both sides when, when you're wise in, in the middle. And uh, we did have that uh, little setback with that. Uh, slide across Redwood Highway that's been dealt with. Uh, retaining wells are in place now and uh, and uh, some of the traffic is back open, especially for bicycles to get to Old Poly and such forth. So uh, if you have any questions, you need to either hold them in or ask us at, at, as, as we go along. Uh, the B8 project, which is a separate project to complete the right-of-way, uh, basically utility relocation is, is underway. And uh, we, it looks like we're finally uh, making some progress on that with a couple years of 
defining what are going to be the roles and responsibilities of the various agencies. So we go to the next slide, please, Jennifer. State Route 37, some great things have been happening there. Uh, as, as I'm sure you're aware, we did get the money uh, for the design from a state earmark by our local center, and that worked out great. Um, we have been in conversations with Caltrans. They got money from IIJA to do the con con construction. Uh, because of the timeline associated with that work, uh, it's been decided that Caltrans will do the design. Uh, Cam is going to give them part of that $20 million, a good share of it. And uh, we are in negotiations with them right now to enter into a cooperative agreement, which we'll be bringing to the TAM board next week. So uh, this, this is the, if you go to the next page, Jennifer shows what segment we're talking about. The one on the left there, the purple segment is the part in Marin. Uh, the, the causeway will be built over that entire purple section. However, What's being done right now for phase one is just the portion over over Novato Creek. That'll be the that'll be the worst portion of, of where it floods. Uh, there is no capacity increasing with this. You know, it's already two lanes each way, and we've made two lanes each way, but we are adding a multi-use path over the new crossing over over Novato Creek, which will be a 14-foot barrier separated pathway. So if we go to the next slide, please, gentlemen. The North-South Greenway bill is here. Uh, certainly his his project, but if you have any questions, but uh, this is the um, southern part of the northern segment uh, that's along Redwood Highway. And uh, it's being managed by Larkspur. And it... Uh, Went to it went to construction a while back. They're just starting construction now, but making great progress, even with the inclement weather we've been having. Phil, is there anything you want to add on that? Or? Not at all. Okay. Great. So if we can go to the next slide, please. The 101 interchanges, and we're going to skip because uh, Bill's going to talk about that before. So uh, the 101 580 multimodal local access improvement project. Quite a mouthful. Um, it's at a uh, at a uh, in between place, you might say. Right now, we just completed the uh, project study report, which is the project initiation document that Caltrans has to start the work. We've entered into a, a cooperative agreement with Caltrans for them to provide oversight of the planning and uh, the the environmental document of project approval. Uh, that process is going to probably start in this summer. We have completed some uh, early traffic analysis, a little earlier than we normally do, because with our stakeholder outreach process, uh, that was requested of us, and we wanted to give people well, you know, what the requests were. And it is showing that there's some potential improvements uh, with, with a potential local option. 
Uh, we'll be coming back to the full board uh, in the next couple of months with a presentation regarding that. And uh, possibly because of the costs involved to potentially reduce one or two of the available build options we have right now before we start the environmental process. Uh, like I say, we're hoping to start that in mid midsummer uh, if we can get to resolution fairly soon. Uh, we don't want to start in August because if people are on vacation, but if we start in early early July or something, we'll do that. Then you have to have a scoping meeting that needs to be uh, well noticed and with a lot of exhibits and such. So uh, moving on, Jennifer. The Bell and Boulevard off-ramp improvement project. You've seen this one numerous times since it's been around forever. Um, we are uh, getting close to the end. Um, had a meeting with Caltrans this morning for an hour and a half. Uh, they, uh, you know, they've seen this design several times over the last six years. Uh, and then, you know, specs change and new people come on board and they don't understand decisions that have been made in the past. But uh, I, I think we're getting people to realize that this is a very important project to TAM, that we need to get it going. And we're making every effort to go to construction late summer, early fall of, of this year. We we, we had negotiations with the uh, property owner of the of the Marin Square there. You can see in the middle of the picture that, that big shopping center. Uh, we do need some access from their side of things. And uh, we've been working with them. And uh, it looks like we have a pretty good relationship to enter into an agreement for that access. Uh, Caltrans is close to giving us the encroachment permit and uh we did enter we have uh gone back to the county moran uh for a while they they were going to help us construct it and then they weren't because of, of staff reductions but recently they have agreed to, to handle the administration of the con construction contract so that's full speed ahead they're going to give us a uh, price in the next week or two of what, uh, how, how much they need to administer the construction for us. And we'll be returning to the board uh, probably in the next month or two to approve a, a interagency agreement with the county of Moran on that. So next slide, please, Jen. The Moran City Flood Mitigation Coordination Bill is here. Um, if we need, that's also his his uh, thing. But we um, there has been quite a bit of concern about flooding in Marin City, and we uh, were awarded another state air mark for ten million dollars this time that we uh, have since entered into an agreement with the county of Marin for uh, some of their work to to help with this, including a portable pump station for the short term and another pump station for the long term. 
that work is underway. Caltrans is additionally working to have a uh, culvert that'll be a pressure culvert to alleviate uh, the the water being able to be pushed out in, into the bay. Right now, if the bay is high, even since we have these culverts to, to drain that pond, you're saying the water can't go anywhere uh, because of the, there's no, uh, this pond is the same elevation as, as say. So that works ongoing. Uh, there's two kind of separate processes going. There's a work with the county of Moran and the work with, you know, Caltrans for the part underneath Highway 101. So uh, that work is, is proceeding. There's some short-term improvements and some long-term improvements. Um, next slide, please, Jennifer. And finally, the uh, part-time transit bus on shoulder. Uh, this is um, for the northern half of the county, uh, southbound, utilizing the shoulder. As, and you see like a bus down there at the bottom. Obviously, that's not 101. But... Um, to use the shoulder to connect between the uh, inline bus stops we already have at most of the interchanges. Uh, and we did receive money that has actually gone to Marin Transit and Bill's been working with them to get that money from Marin Transit uh, through different, different agreements and arrangements. So at a very high level and very fast, that is all of our projects. Uh, Bill is here to answer any questions on, on his projects. I have a couple. And also in the audience is Connie Premier. She's helping us out on the on the on the MSN project. We can elevate her if you have any questions. Great. Thank you so much. Any questions? Yeah. Pete? Yeah, I was a little curious about uh, the cost of the two pump stations for the Marin uh, City project um what is it what's the difference between a potable pump station and a permanent uh, pump station so do you want me to yeah please. yeah so i don't i don't remember the total cost offhand but i think the cost for sort of all of the county projects um so separating out the county projects from the caltrans projects is about six million, um, and I think that includes the portable pump and the permanent pump, and maybe one other um, project. But I can get back to you on the details of that. The portable pump is basically a pump that is kind of stationed where the water accumulates, has a long pipeline, sort of into the. Um, I think it goes into the pond, so it's really just meant to clear the roadway in sort of storm events, and it is not meant to be there on a long-term basis. Um, and then the permanent pump, it would be sort of a bigger apparatus that would be in or near the pond, and as Dan mentioned, would actually sort of pump the water out of the whole sort of drainage system um and get it sort of cleared and that that project will just take longer to get through the environmental process and design and construction so the idea is to have the portable one in place sooner so that it can kind of get to work and help alleviate um, from the more severe storms while the other one is under development so there's one little item uh, one little note 
in the, the project status report, page 28 of 140, uh, one of the pump stations is called a pogable pump station. Oh, that's a typo. Should be portable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not in the potable water. Yeah. As, as you know, when that does flood, it cuts off access for emergency services and such forth. And uh, we've had cases of people that have scheduled hospital surgery or something that have to, but, you know, if there's a inclement weather on the way, they have to go get alternate living arrangements so they might not get stuck in there and things like that. And, uh, definitely everybody wants to improve. I do like the idea of turning our high tides into potable drinking water. That would be <laughs> that would solve our sea level rise issue uh, and our drought at the same time. All right, uh, Commissioner Catrano, any questions? Yes, uh, two quick questions. One is a follow up. So you know, um, I'm grateful to hear the updates on the Marin City stuff because we've been hearing about this for years from constituents. So, and I'm you know, it's great to hear that there's a, a near term and a longer term solution. So, am I correct in understanding that the portable, not potable pump station is going to be uh, functioning later this year for the next rainy season to come at the end of 2024. Uh, and if so, do you have a sense of how long that's intended to be the like interim solution before um, some of the more permanent stuff gets gets through the, the environmental clearance and, and design and stuff? So that is my understanding on when the portable pump would be in place and in operation. So later this year in time for the next winter rainy season. And I really don't have a timeline uh, on the other projects. I'd have to kind of look into more uh, recent information from the county and get back to you. Great. Thank you. Normally an environmental process takes anywhere from 24 months to 36 months, depending on the magnitude of the studies. Got it. That's helpful. Um, just in terms of expectations for the community for the interim and long term, I think that's that'll be helpful to foreground you know, how long that environment, environmental clearance can take on average. Um, the other question I had since um, it's kind of been lingering out there for a little while now, and we did have a, a member of the public uh, write to us about this, but uh, you had a couple next steps um, for the, the part-time bus on shoulder. And I'm curious, like, when do you expect that to be actually happening? Like when when can we see that in our community being tested out? I guess. Well, I can respond to that. So uh, we're just in the process of beginning. Okay, so the funds are being transferred from FHWA to FTA to Marin Transit and then to TAM. Um, well, there's a little unknown that the state is still developing guidelines for part-time transit lanes. So we're kind of watching that closely. Uh, there's a pilot program right now in San Diego. We're also watching that very closely. So it's really kind of a TBD. There's really no set schedule for that. Um, certainly no funding for construction yet. So the just to clarify, the funding that we do have is for the um, kind of the environmental phase. So we need to get through that first and figure out, you know, what what would this cost? What would the timeline be? And then, you know, we'll see what the kind of next steps are. Got it. So just so. Um... I know there's no like 
uh, hard, hard dates or anything, but like, a we can expect no sooner than like a, maybe a couple years out for something like that. Would you say is reasonable? Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you. Great. Uh, one question I had on, on the Bellum improvements. I know there was a, a funding shortfall. I think we had borrowed from that project. Um, is that if, if everything else is moving along, do we feel like we'll be able to to close that gap through some other sources of funds uh, to at least keep that project moving forward? Or is there going to be a, we're going to have to go find those dollars someplace else? Well, one thing is, is we're finding more and more connectivity between that and the multimodal local access improvement project that it's almost like uh, a, a, a series of a suite of improvements that each one does something to move move the needle to get access to the bridge and also to alleviate the afternoon backup on 580 and 580 east and 101 north so um that's probably going to have to be our go-to sources to, to fund that 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 shortfall well, what kind of happened is it Originally, it was several projects. It was to look at the uh, third lane on the Richmond San Rafael Bridge. It was to uh, to do the improvements that have since been accomplished on Sir Francis Strait, and to build the flyover for that bike path that goes over 580 at Sir Francis Strait. Both of those other two projects went over budget uh, and. This one's last, so the mm -hmm. budget got kind of moved over over to those, and, and that, and addition to its own overages as well. Mm -hmm. So you combine all that up, and it got to be a pretty large shortfall. And and we we did get some more money from um, the local partnership program, uh, and uh, some of our Measure A interest funds were put on that project. But there still is a shortfall that we'll be coming back to the board to to potentially discuss. All right. So yeah, it seems like that project's moving right along. So I'd hate for the the money to be a bottleneck. Um, if there's anything that we can do or allocate some temporary funds or borrow from another place. Yeah. Yep. All right. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for the update. Uh, any public comment? All right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, we'll move on to. Uh, oh, it is an. Oh, it is an action item. Uh, do we have a motion to receive the report? No move. Then I'll second that. We have a motion and a second. Uh, we'll call the vote. Mr. Catrano. Yes. Mr. Cole. Yes. Chair Lucas. Yes. Thank you. And we'll be bringing that back to the board rather than be on the consent deal. All right. Sounds good. We'll move on to item number six, which is an update on the sea level rise adaptation planning. Good afternoon. Thank you, everyone. We are very excited to be presenting this item to you today about TAM's sea level rise plan, essentially in shorthand and long phrase, sea level rise adaptation planning for Marin County's transportation system. <laughs> um, and Jennifer, I do believe our consultant, Jack Hogan, uh, is online. I apologize. The panel and stuff. Um, but it's his name is Jack Hogan, parentheses arrow. Done. Hi. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna make him a panelist. Okay, thank you. Apologies for that. 
take your time also doing that. Um, I'm happy to give interest to the planet to start. Um, yes, Jack is online. He's uh, battling a sickness right now. Um, so happy to have them on board uh, to help us lead this plan. He's with Arab um, and our subconsultants to this plan, WRT and Pathways. Um, but this is TAM's uh, really first big step in our sea level rise program uh, as a part of Measure AA Category 2.3. Um, taking a look at Marin County's transportation system and the places where uh, sea level rise is impacting the transportation system currently. Um, and so I'm happy to dive into that with you all today. Jennifer, could pass to the next slide. So a quick agenda for you all. Um, we're gonna walk through just a project overview uh, and give a refresher about the Measure AA program and kind of how we got to this point in the plan to date uh, with TAM and then walk through the existing plan review that we've conducted through this effort, as well as the vulnerability focus areas, um, two really key tasks in building the initial groundwork to this plan. So knowing that there's so much work that's already been done in the county as it pertains to sea level rise and flooding, and knowing that we don't just want to plan for another plan for another plan, mm -hmm. um, but really begin to see what we can do to move something into an implementation plan. Uh, so we'll close out everything with next steps and look ahead. So next slide, please, Jennifer. So a little bit of background on TAM Sea Level Rise Program. Uh, it is funded through Measure AA Category 2.3 as a 1% set aside to develop projects to ultimately address uh, transportation problems and impacts from sea level rise. Uh, it includes support in protecting the roadways, a related infrastructure, um, and of impacts from sea level rise and flooding, uh, of which I think a lot have been acutely felt over the past few years that we've experienced. Uh, storm surge and king tide events uh, all throughout the county. Um, so the top of mind, especially right now, but uh, it can be used for things such as seed money for solutions, matching grants, um, leveraging private investments and things like that. So some of the existing efforts that are underway um, or preceded this plan include uh, BayWave and C-Smart or countywide efforts, um, local jurisdiction plans as well. At different levels, there have been local jurisdiction uh, actions taken to begin to assess those. Uh, and then BCDC, the Bay Conservation and Development Commission at the regional level, uh, the San Francisco Estuary Institute, SFDI, uh, and then other regional efforts through MTC and Caltrans are also underway. So there's a lot that's been done to get us to this point. Um, so in the next slide, please. How does TAM fit into all of that? Uh, we began discussions with uh, the board back in November of 2020 to begin this initial input to see really what TAM Sea Level Rise program should begin to tackle. Uh, that ultimately led to a discussion on a draft scope of work for what would be something like an implementation plan, which is what this plan is today, back in October of 2022, uh, leading to a contract award through our RFP effort last April to bring on ARAP, WRT, and Pathways to lead this effort for us and help us with it. Uh, the board direction was really to help move from this planning stage uh, and all of the analysis that has taken place so far, um, to a certain extent, we really understand where the vulnerable locations are throughout the county. So how do we go from that planning phase into the initial concept design, um, knowing that there are so many different cooks in the kitchen as well, and there's a lot of different agencies that need to be a part of this, as well as the public and private property owners as well. Um, and so how do we identify potential projects for development moving forward knowing that there's going to be so much collaboration involved. 
and knowing that we do have a tight timeline because the sea level rise projections um, I will be sharing with you later, but they are sooner than one would hope. Um, so the range of different uh, adaptation measures or kind of the process for implementing a sea level rise project ranges from vulnerability assessments into construction. Uh, so the TAM contract currently is focusing on that adaptation planning and concept development phase um, to hopefully lead us into the environmental and design and construction phase at the end. Next slide, please. So an overview of this project specifically and how it came to be. Um, TAM's role, as you are all very familiar, is to support countywide transportation planning um, throughout the county. And this now includes climate adaptation focus as well and protecting assets, transportation assets, community assets, and others from sea level rise and flooding. Um, and we really feel that transportation is a big part of this. It's a big part of how our community moves around and accesses things, and that is being impacted by sea level rise and flooding. Um, so also knowing that funding plays a very key role in this, uh, seeing that there is a lot of federal, state, and local sources as local jurisdictions begin to identify um, potential needs and funding mechanisms to help uh, mitigate some of the impacts that we're seeing from sea level rise. Um, and federal agencies such as NOAA, um, state agencies like Caltrans are beginning to notice some of the importance in funding these, uh, MTC as well. And this also includes Measure AA, as we do have that 1% set aside, which collects about $240,000 annually. Um, that is being used to fund this plan as well, but we want to use this project to help us see with all these different funding sources, with all the different agencies that are addressing climate change at this point, um, what is TAM's role in the Measure AA program specifically, but also at large as a regional coordinator um, and liaison between a lot of these different agencies. The next slide. So a little overview of the project and really two main objectives in this, if you distill it down to um, just two of them is to identify potential sea level rise solutions and then guide future implementation for infrastructure, but also TAMS funding programs, that being Measure AA. So uh, the five key core tasks in this is to start with the existing plan review, which I will walk through in a couple slides and that was complete a few months ago, um, develop the vulnerability focus areas. Um, hotspots was a word that we were using before, um, but felt that focus areas was more appropriate. Um, identify those areas that are what we should be focusing on as we progress this plan. And then within those focus areas, identify what are even the feasible solutions that could possibly move forward within this area. We know that there's a lot of areas throughout the county that are impacted by flooding and sea level rise, but to a certain extent, there hasn't been a broad comprehensive look at all the different adaptation solutions that could move forward. And there's different timelines for each of them. There are short-term solutions for some and there are long-term solutions for others. And so we want to understand really what those horizons are, what the cost implications are, and really who needs to be involved in that, um, which will tie into the governance review section. So seeing what TAM's role is, now also knowing that the county is moving forward with the CLRI's governance RFP, um, identifying really who should be the main body for the county of Marin to progress sea level rise projects. Um, so knowing that that effort is going on simultaneously, um, we're going to be taking a look at what TAM's role is that is in that, as well as the more regional liaison to bodies such as Caltrans 
and I mean, the presentation before this um, talked about all the <laughs> um, different work that's going on pertaining to flooding and sea level rising, the work that Caltrans has going on. So really seeing what we can do from a liaison perspective as well. And then finally moving into an implementation plan, um, deciding what the next steps are for this and how we can begin to really progress. Uh, I do want to note that this is a technical study. So these adaptation solutions are just taking a look really at from an engineering perspective and knowing some of the policies that are in place, what could feasibly be done. We do anticipate um, more engagement in the future beyond this plan and we'll, we will be engaging focus groups through this plan. But a lot of this is to really get down to that technical um, piece of it to see what is feasible. Uh, next slide, please. So a quick look at our project schedule to see where we are right now. Um, there's really five core blocks, which are the first five you can see here, the plan review, the vulnerability focus areas, the adaptation solutions, governance review, and implementation plan, which will all lead into the final report, uh, hopefully in fall, winter of this year. It's expected to be about an 18 month effort and we are about 50% of the way through. Uh, we have met with our TAC twice so far. Our technical advisory committee is comprised of Caltrans, MTC, ECDC, uh, county CDA representative, uh, county DPW representative, um, as well as the uh, Department of Public Works, MPWA representative. Um, and we have met with them twice so far. Um, sorry. <laughs> Uh, the sustainability partners as well from the city of San Rafael and the city of Sausalito. Um, so they have been helping us uh, really see how TAM should be progressing this study forward. Um, and we're excited about meeting with, with them the next time to review their feedback from the vulnerability focus areas. At this point, they are currently reviewing these focus areas to make sure that we got it all right. Um, we didn't miss anything as we head into the adaptation measures portion. Um, where we'll start to work with them uh, more in detail on those solutions. So next slide, please. So starting off with just a look at the existing plan review on the next slide. Um, here's a, It's included in your packet um, if you want to take a deep dive as to all the planning work that's been done in Marin County to date. Um, it's very thorough. It, it includes, uh, firstly, just establishing a baseline level of awareness uh, and understanding what's out there in terms of breadth and depth of the existing work related to sea level rise adaptation in the region and Marin County. Um, it includes plans such as BCDC's uh, Bay Adaptation Implementation Brief, the Caltrans D4 Climate Change Vulnerability Assessment, uh, down to like Stinson Beach Nature-Based Adaptation Study, um, and then 29 others from local, regional, and state plans. Uh, and then secondly, it really wants to compile a short list of relevant and potentially viable sea level rise adaptation solutions in the national and global adaptation precedents. So taking a look at what might be relevant for Marin County, um, what we have seen work uh, in other areas and what might be applicable for Marin. And then uh, lastly, we dove into the GIS work and established a GIS data set using a lot of the existing assets that we have, both as TAM, um, but also the work that Baywave has done, um, and then BCDC through the Adapting to Rising Tides effort. Um, and then distilled everything into a few key takeaways on the next slide. Mostly that the Marin coastline has been studied extensively. Um, there's a lot of studies that have taken place uh, at different phases for um, years now. And really what we know is that the US 101 
State Route 37, 580 specifically have received a lot of focus within transportation vulnerabilities context specifically. Um, but most of these adaptation concepts simultaneously have solutions that um, <laughs> require interventions that are not within that right of way if they want to ultimately see those co-benefits um, and start to protect the communities outside of them. Uh, once we dive into some of the vulnerable uh, focus areas, we can see that a little bit more. But one of the examples would be um, Corte Madera and that extent of the community and um, even the shopping center there that is next to 101, but we know will eventually flood and the horizons and the projections. So things like that. I'd, so because of that, there is a high potential in Marin for interagency coordination. We see this as an opportunity for us to coordinate together um, to really um, make sure that we're measuring twice and cutting once in a lot of these solutions. Um, but going through that process in the fourth task of seeing what is the short-term implications of this, what projects should move forward in the short-term, what makes more sense to pursue longer-term adaptation. Uh, so we're really excited to start taking a look at some of those solutions in our next task. But at this point, this is what we found from our key takeaways of all of the existing plans. So the next slide. We're gonna dive into some of the vulnerability focus areas, um, which the goal of this task, as I mentioned before, was to see which of these areas uh, have key hazard and key hazards and vulnerable uh, characteristics about them, uh, answering some of the key questions of ultimately just where is the flooding, what transportation assets are exposed and what communities are impacted and what community assets are going to be impacted. I know this is a little bit hard to see, so we zoom in closer in one of the next slides, especially with the pink of the blue. But uh, some of the methods for um, developing this really relied on the spatial analysis uh, through the BayWave and BCDC efforts. So building off of the work that had already been done. Um, and also just a note about the uh, updated OPC guidance that came out recently. Um, our analysis is exactly in line with the OPC guidance. Um, as they remove that uh, really extreme H++ scenario, uh, the scenarios that we are working with are in alignment with the recommendations for infrastructure, which would be to build to the intermediate to high risk at this point. So all of the recommendations that we have built into this are in line with OPC state guidance. So uh, the results are 19 <laughs> vulnerable focus areas throughout the county of Marin. Um, some of these, just because of the way that the called operational landscape units for the way that the watersheds work and some of the different impacts. Um, they have lines that are right next to each other, but we wanted to take them sort of separately just because of the different implications. Some are more fluvial or riverine flooding coming from downhill, and some are more emergent groundwater and sea level rise. So they are next to each other, but we wanted to take them separately. So 19 total focus areas. <laughs> next slide, Jennifer. Thank you. Um, again, noting that this was taken a lot from BCDC's effort and BayWave's effort, um, but just some of the information uh, for you all to know a little bit more about the spatial analysis and the hazard exposures. So three of the main hazard exposures that we used were coastal flooding, groundwater, and the FEMA floodplain. Um, the coastal flooding scenarios ranging from zero feet to five feet of sea level rise. Um, we did that in measures of inches, uh, and we can take a look at that in a little bit, um, but also integrated storm surge uh, and then groundwater rise. It's talking about shallow emergent. So as sea level begins to rise, the groundwater table also rises, um, and there's both emergent sea level rise and shallow, which has different implications also to um, 
some of the water and sewage uh, information as well. So we want to make sure that we're noting that in this plan as well. Uh, and then we did an analysis of where the exposed assets are. So from a transportation perspective, knowing roads, bus stops, bike paths, um, bus routes, just where there are going to be transportation impacts. And we have met with the transit agencies recently to also walk through with them. There are some operational um, problems that exist that we are currently having to navigate with our transit system, be that detours, um, timing. I think the Manzanito 101 interchange is a great example of when that interchange closes down, Golden Gate, we're in transit, you have to move around and adapt to that. Um, so that's one thing we wanted to take uh, note of. And then the community assets as well, being hospitals and schools, uh, lifelines such as police and fire stations. And then on top of all of that, we wanted to make sure that equity is really remaining a big part of this. So incorporating MPCs, equity priority communities uh, into this analysis as well. So next slide, please, Jennifer. So this is a list of 19 focus areas throughout the county, um, starting at, at ranging from different causes as well. Um, so uh, some of it in areas like Novato, uh, it's more a cause of the groundwater rising, um, less so than fluvial or sea level rise. Um, in areas like San Rafael, it's emergent groundwater and it's sea level rise, and it's a part of the FEMA floodplain. Um, and so we can take a look more in depth on the next slide, some of these focus areas, and I'll describe in more detail kind of what we're seeing here. Here you go. So on the left, you can see in that black outline, um, which is a very small line, it's kind of hard to see on this, um, but you that's the outline of one of the focus areas. And within that, you can see in green the evacuation routes that we've identified as well. So knowing that these evacuation routes will be impacted if uh, the sea level rise projections and emergent groundwater exist for Nevada on the left, that would be with 36 inches of sea level rise. This is the groundwater impact that we'd be seeing in orange um, with 39 inches of sea level rise, which is expected by about the year 2075, um, 2080. Uh, is when we would see the 39 inches of sea level rise projected. Um, so noting also all of the assets that would be impacted within this area, as you can see all of the transit stops, you can see all the police stations, fire stations, pump stations, and things like that, um, knowing that that is all within this one focus area. Um, and then to the right, what we wanted to highlight in this Hamilton Wetlands one is areas where there's one ingress and egress. So when there's one road going in and out of a community, making sure that we're noting that this is if this road floods, it will majorly impact the evacuation routes in this area. Um, and you can also see the groundwater rise and sea level rise here as well. Um, next slide, please. So for Marin City, uh, we have noted this as one of our focus areas. I wanted to show these two kind of side by side with each other just to show the granularity of the focus areas as they were drawn going back to that uh, operational landscape unit that I mentioned before. Um, so Marin City and Tam Valley immediately to the north of it, they have different watersheds. Um, so we separated them out into different focus areas um, and to a certain extent they have different impacts. But I want to note that these lines are not static. Um, they're currently in review by our technical advisory committee, but we are not meaning to be taking these as hard lines on the map saying that this is how we would separate all of these projects, knowing that 
all of these will have to ultimately likely work together and have a lot of similar cohesive solutions. Um, so seeing as there's also a lot of projects that are currently going on in this area, as we move into the next phase in task four with the adaptation measures, we wanna make sure that we're creating a query of all of the different work that's going on in this place. I and mean, we've heard three different projects already in this meeting about it, that are occurring in and around the Marin City and Manzanita area. So we wanna make sure that we are fully understanding the work that's already taken place in this area. Um, and so that will inform how we progress our adaptation measures and solutions in task four. Um, and then similarly in the Larkspur um, depiction on the right, you can see actually three different focus areas um, with the black outline there. So one in Larkspur and then Corte Madera um, and then up the valley that way as it's more riverine, floody. Um, but knowing that a solution in this area is gonna look not like one solution. You can't build a levee from Corte Madera um, and not address all of the flooding that's happening from upstream. Um, so as we approach these different adaptation solutions, we wanna make sure that they make sense and what we're recommending is comprehensive and addresses the different uh, impacts and different types of flooding that are occurring within these areas as well. Uh, next slide, please. So for next steps, um, we expect to progress and finalize this vulnerability um, focus areas. So make sure that we have a chance for our transit agencies, our technical advisory committee to review this and make sure that we get their uh, stamp of approval on the areas and focus areas that we've uh, landed on so far. Um, once we have that, we will begin to move into uh, our visioning and goal setting for the adaptation solutions section. Uh, where we'll actually start to take a look at the different areas and brainstorm with our TAC what could move forward uh, in these different areas. Once we get through those meetings, um, we will be bringing updates to the board, likely around the time frame of when we are in that draft to final adaptation solutions and beginning the governance review section. Um, so we expect to come back to the board in summer this year. Um, so very soon, and this committee as well. We will also have a series of focus groups meeting with equity working group uh, members, such as uh, those of CBOs and NGOs throughout the area, environmental groups. Uh, we will be meeting with the public works directors to review this with them because uh, their input and uh, assessment on what is feasible in their towns is extremely important. Um, so that is what we are expecting in the near term. Um, and next slide, please. I am happy to take any questions. Uh, I know that was a lot for a first update on what's going on with this funding effort. Um, Jack is online to help me answer some of the more technical questions uh, if you have any of those. But I, yeah, I'm happy to uh, open up discussion. Thank you, Michaela. And Jack, thank you for joining us online. I'll look to my colleagues, Commissioner Catrano, Commissioner Cool. any questions? I have a, I'm not sure if it's a question or a concern. I guess it is a question because I'm not sure I understand how the process is going to work. But are we going to be in negotiations in each of 19 hotspots with other entities that are involved to determine how much, what share of, we're not going to be dealing just with roads. We're going to be, we're going to be, it seems to me, involved in projects where large parts of it have nothing to do with transportation. 
So we're going to have to figure out how much of it is our, should we be carrying the burden of, and how much should others. Has thought been given to how this process of negotiating this is going to work? Yes, that is a huge part of this. Um, as we know, transportation projects in and of themselves without climate are extremely difficult and involve a lot of different agencies. But when you start to involve the climate agencies and the permits that are required from Army Corps of Engineers, BCDC, it becomes a lot more involved. Um, and then you start to talk about people's homes and the assets and the places that they go and the private element of this as well. So that has definitely been a consideration. Um, we are thinking about that and it will be a part of our analysis and a part of our implementation plan is thinking about what TAM's role is in all of that. Um, where do we sit? What can we feasibly take on? What it makes the most sense for us to take on as an agency? And opening up those conversations with our partners that are involved in our tech, um, but also working with the county as they're moving forward with that sea level rise governance RFP. Um, I don't know if I should speak too much to that effort and the scope of work there, but yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> so that is all definitely under consideration. Um, we don't want just duplication of different designs um, and different planning efforts. We don't want um, too many parallel processes happening um, because the need and the financial burden is strong to deliver some of these projects. So we want to move forward as efficiently as we can. Um, so that will be a big part of the next few tasks of this plan. Um, so, yes. Just seems to me like it's gonna be a terrible process to try to get through. We're gonna have to, we and the many other agencies you mentioned are also gonna have to take consideration of what the local the local towns and cities are, are willing to pick up uh, as their shares. And so we're going to be dealing with the, uh, the councils, the city councils of all these cities to get their approval for their share. Uh, I can see this being a horrible process to get through. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly why we're doing the study in a lot of senses is what is what is the envelope of partners that need to be at the table it is one of the big questions we've had. Um, knowing that a lot of the protections, the transportation system are offsite, private property owners, other major utilities. So we don't even have an understanding in a lot of these areas of who all our project partners or supportive agencies that need to be coordinated with that's one of the objectives that we're trying to accomplish here. The second is the range of solutions that can be considered. And from there, I think that piece of information is sort of critical for us to think about what projects need to be advanced and by who, and all of those are sort of fair game questions still. So for this effort, we're not negotiating over TAM's share of responsibilities at this point. We're just trying to do the level setting of what are the reasonable accommodations that can be made and who are the partners that need to be at the table with the, those conversations. 
So, so at this point, we haven't even identified who the, who the players might be. We haven't identified the projects, so we haven't identified the players. It's a little bit of an iterative process to go around that loop of there may be other concurrent projects that are underway that protect the transportation system or could do that. And who leads is a big question. Commissioner Catrano? Yeah, um, I just wanted to thank uh, Commissioner Cool for for creating that really generative comment and um, appreciate Michaela and Derek's response to that. I think it's, um, I'm, I'm really glad that we're sort of getting in the mix here and trying to figure out Tam's role. And I know other commissioners care deeply about that as well. Um, I, I think, it, you know, it seems in terms of feedback right now, there's a lot to digest here. Um, and as you just said, Derek, like we don't really know all the projects and the players yet. The, the county's doing something over there with the um, the governance RFP thing too. So I'm not I'm I'm not even completely clear on like what are the the concurrent um, you know planning efforts that are underway even within the county and its agencies. I think the the one thing that struck me that I wanted to provide feedback on, um, given that this is kind of nascent, is um, I, I found the adaptation strategies on page 96 of the packet to be particularly uh, helpful as uh, a commissioner and as an elected official in Marin in, in actually like differentiating who could potentially take lead, um, whether it's you know, a county, a city, or, or there's some maybe utility or uh, special agency jurisdiction over certain types of assets. And it made me think a lot about um, the Marin Clean Energy Partnership as well, in the way that there have been collaborative efforts with many jurisdictions around green building standards and around, uh, you know, reusable and uh, recyclable, um, you know, waste and, and, and cups and things like that. Uh, and I guess the only thing I would say is um, as we embark on figuring out Tam's role in, in this whole journey, um, it would be really helpful to identify among these adaptation strategies, like maybe which, one, which ones Tam could lend some technical assistance to um, or where Tam may have some role to play. I, I mean, you know, there are some of these things that I, I think as a council, as a community um, in like Fairfax, for instance, we'd be totally behind some of these strategies. And at the same time, if, like we know with electric vehicle charging infrastructure and stuff like that, we just don't have the technical know-how on our staff, or we don't have a lot of staff to do implementation or project management of some of these things. Um, so as we move forward, um, I would greatly appreciate uh, any sort of thinking or noodling over, you know, where TAM has value add in, in some of the adaptation strategies. Um, so that was just one one piece of feedback at this stage I felt was appropriate. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for all of this. And Jack, thank you for being here. Um, just one question. So the, the plan is just to come back to the full board in the summer, you know, late summer, early fall time. Would, would that be a, a draft report or final draft or, or a workshop? What, what is the thinking about that? 
It would be an update um, on the adaptation solutions that we identified um, in final once the TAC has reviewed this memo as well, the vulnerability focus areas, and included some of those current planning processes. There's some of that that we need their input on directly um, to let us know. So it would be an update on that, an update on the adaptation solutions, and a look at the governance review um, as it pertains to TAM from a regional perspective um, and our role in a lot of this. So it would be an update on that and I think would be a very engaging <laughs> conversation for us. We'll bring it back to this committee, of course, before it goes to the board. Um, but that would be the intent for that meeting. And then we will come back to the board one more time with the draft and final report. So gotcha. it'll be another um, intermediate meeting. Okay. And actually, we, we would like to bring this presentation uh, to the board this month, uh, okay. just as information, but it, you know, it is pretty dense. And so we thought it would be good to start, you know, rolling out um, the work products, even at this kind of early stage, just to make people aware and kind of set the stage a little bit for these future conversations. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it sounds great. I know that um, maybe probably just one, my feedback when it goes to the full board, um, the the zoomed in areas that you had on there, certainly you're not going to put all 19 project areas in the presentation, but it might be worth including maybe just as hidden slides um, so that as board members are looking through the presentation, um, not everybody goes to all those pages in the full report, even though they're in there, uh, but to make it, you know, call it out or make people make sure they know where to find that, because I'm sure that's where you're going to get a lot of comments from. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Uh, any any online comments? Yes. Dean Severinghouse, please unmute. Yes, hello. Um, I'm very grateful for this study um, and for TAM for commissioning it because I keep looking at the different sea level reports and there's always something missing and there's always some part here, but not that. So it's wonderful to have it brought together with what how it could impact transportation. So thank you for that and to the study authors. Um, I'm not clear where in the study or where in the tax you are addressing the critical bicycle and walking infrastructure. Um, I don't see a tax that has either the Bike Coalition of Marin or the County MBAG or the TAM BPAC being involved, but um, certainly there should at least be the North-South Greenway should be included in terms of critical infrastructure. I live on it. And there's so many people every day who rely on that and to know which parts are going to flood in the next 20 years and what we can be doing about that would be extraordinarily helpful. Um, so, yeah, more, you know, just a lot somehow put right out there that bicycle and pedestrians are a part of transportation and we need to be part of this report would be great. Um, in terms of pedestrian, I would say sewage is incredibly important with sea level rise. Two weeks ago, I was walking on the sidewalk on Tamil Vista in Corte Madera, stepped into this nice clear pool. There's often a flood there. It turned out to have raw sewage, which I realized one second after I finished walking through it. So this is, you know, that, that was a king tide and a storm. And it would be really great to have this address transportation needs as they um, mesh with sewage. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any other comment? Yes. Uh, Warren Wells, please unmute. Hi, this is Warren Wells from the Marin County Bicycle Coalition. Uh, just wanted to, to thank staff and I'll echo Jean's appreciation uh, for the support. You know, you know, I realize we're still early in the process, um, but as was pointed out, sea level rise is, is very much here already. 
Um, as Gene brought up earlier, the Mill Valley Sausalito pathway is in Southern Marin, and it's the, the only way between Marin City, Sausalito, and the rest of the county for people traveling outside of a vehicle. Um, and it's been underwater for a lot of the last two weeks. This has led to uh, numerous reports of people riding their bicycles in the shoulder of US 101, because that's the only way to get between those two places, which is a horrifying thought. Uh, I would urge the board and staff just to keep an eye on this facility, as, as it is the backbone of our county's active transportation network. Though it's not alone, there are other trails, you know, across the county that are also subject to flooding both now and certainly in our future. And, and one concrete recommendation I would have for, for this plan um, is in that adaptation strategies section pointed out by Commissioner Catrano. Um, at the end of the first page, I guess, it, it notes elevating roads, um, but I would um, urge adding yeah, multi-use trails either to that line or um, as its own line in that list, um, as as our multi-use trails are, are an important um, uh, avenue for transportation in the county. Thank you so much for all of your time and hard work on this. I look forward to seeing going forward. Any others? Chair, I don't see any additional hands raised at this time. All right, we'll, we'll close public comment. This was just a discussion item. Any, any other feedback we wanna add or share? Not seeing any. Okay. Oh, add something just in terms of bike and pedestrian representation. We are out looking at a multimodal network within the plan. This our transit, our rail, our ferry, and our uh, multi-use path and bike and uh, bikeways within the county. So it is included within the plan to be looking at all our transportation network. Uh, and we do have the asset managers many of these facilities on our back. So who are very familiar with the maintenance needs of these facilities as well. So we are doing additional outreach to transit operators and we'd be happy to do some additional outreach to some of our high school groups. That's great. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. We'll go ahead and move on to our last item, item number seven, which is the Highway 101 interchange and approaching roadway studies. I do want to mention just to kind of a, a quick time check. Um, I've got I've got a childcare situation that I need to get home to in uh, a little bit, so I've got just ten minutes. But this is just a discussion item, so I assume it could continue on if I need to sneak out. Uh, sure. We'll, we'll be in ten minutes. Well, that? No, no, do, I don't want to rush you. Um, do do the normal presentation, but if I need to duck out of here in ten minutes, um, Beach, would, can you uh, take over? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he can. All right. All right. I don't want to cut you short. Go ahead, Bill. Okay. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm joined by uh, Kim Frankie with HNTV. And we would like to provide a brief update of the Highway 101 interchange study. Uh, the main purpose of our presentation is really to review the alternatives that we're going to be taking into the next phase project initiation document. Uh, we do it right now because uh, we're going to be going into our cubicles and really study these in depth. And, and so we're going to kind of go out of um, go dark for a while. And so we just want to bring this to your attention. With that said, let me turn that over to uh, Kim and we'll go through this quickly. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair, Executive Director. Get the next slide, please. Uh, just very quickly providing a, an overview of where we are uh, with the project initiation document phase of the, of the project. Uh, we'll, we'll then run through uh, very, very quickly the, the alternatives around the consideration of each of the three interchange locations and brief overview of the next steps. Uh, another next slide, please. Uh, this is the uh, broad uh, high-level schedule for what is, in, in essence, a, about a two-year two project. Um, we've spent much of the last year in outreach um, with the public, with the BPACs, with uh, 
um, the transit agencies and uh, on a regular basis with Caltrans uh, to confirm the uh, project purpose and need and the alternatives that uh, are appropriate to study in this in this uh, in this phase of the document. And and just to recap, the project initiation document um, only takes you so far as to commit funds to the next or to understand the, the funds required and the level of effort needed to get to the next phase, which is the environmental. Um, so nothing is is tied in stone with this. It's really a scoping document. Uh, now in February, uh, we're in a position to uh, hopefully get confirmation of the, the alternatives at each interchange location. Um, we met uh, twice with the Caltrans geometric reviewer uh, because there are issues with the existing interchanges in terms of non-standard features, and there will be non-standard features uh, with, with uh, the project as they, uh, as, as they move forward. And we have concurrence from them uh, that we have an appropriate range of of alternatives under consideration, uh, even if there are non-standard features that may or may not uh, be approved uh, when we get further into the study. Uh, so right now we're, we're seeking confirmation of the, those uh, study alternatives, and then we will uh, dive into, into the technical analyses that are required as part of the Caltrans process. And we expect to have a, a, a draft uh, project initiation document ready in the fall and an approved document by the end of the year. But with that, um, let me just run into the uh, each of the interchange locations. Are there, are there any questions on the, or the scope of the project or the or the timing? Nope. Um, the alternatives re really uh, re reflect the outcome of the feasibility study that we performed uh, prior prior to this phase, uh, with uh, a little more uh, focused outreach to to the transit agencies and to the public. Uh, we did receive comments uh, on the alternatives as uh, had come out of the uh, feasibility study. And as we reported back in, in uh, September to this to this body, uh, along with the project purpose and need, um, we, we outlined where we had um, uh, incorporated feedback uh, and modified the interchange configurations to, to reflect that. Uh, so very quickly, uh, this one interchange location, East, uh, East Blythe-Delta Brown Boulevard, State Route 131, uh, we have three, uh, three, three alternatives that we're carrying forward. The base study is what uh, was the recommendation from the feasibility study, which would widen the existing bridge at a third eastbound lane to address operational uh, deficiencies and also to add a 12-foot multi-use pathway. Uh, so this would widen the bridge um, and uh, potentially aggravate what is already non-standard vertical clearance uh, for that bridge. The second alternative uh, would maintain uh, the bridge as is, uh, no, no widening, in other words, no further real investment in the existing bridge structure, um, reconfigure the cross-section of the bridge to allow for that third eastbound uh, lane, but then add a separate bikeway over crossing over 101, uh, which is, which is a, a separate and, and discrete structure. And so as I say, not, uh, not providing uh, or not investing further uh, in the existing bridge. And then we have the third alternative here, which would replace the existing bridge 
And the reasoning that for that is because the bridge is already 70 years old, there are non-standard features associated with it. So I mentioned the non-standard uh, vertical clearance. Um, and to invest further in widening uh, an elderly bridge, an older bridge, uh, might, might be deemed imprudent. And I think that this is something that's been coming to bear with the tunnel bias uh, interchange, uh, which isn't a, a town project, but it's very similar to this uh, Tiburon Boulevard. You have the next uh, next slide, please. And uh, there is nothing really new in in what we're presenting here. And there's a little difficult to see on on screen, uh, but in essence, we are providing uh, uh, improved uh, active transportation connections across and across the interchange and to and from the interchange. Um, relocating bus stops to uh, provide for better transit interconnectivity, um, removing gaps in the existing um, bike and ped uh, facilities, and uh, ensuring that the resultant project is uh, is ADA uh, compliant. It's just, uh, these, are, these are a little difficult to see, uh, so maybe we can go back to Q&A, uh, but, but to go to the next slide, where the alternative would be to uh, reconfigure the existing bridge, like I mentioned, uh, providing for that third eastbound lane, and uh, on the north side, at a separate bike pad facility, we have options with that. Uh, that would great separate the ramp termini, um, the northbound uh, on-ramps and the, the southbound ramps, uh, with both overcrossing and uh, undercrossing options of those of those ramps, um, so that we don't have the, the pedestrian conflict with the with the uh, modified cloverleaf type interchange. Um, and then the third alternative would replace the bridge uh, altogether, largely in its in existing uh, existing location, to uh, maintain the, the the roadway geometrics of, of Tiburon Boulevard East Blythedale. Uh, and so, in doing so, this needs to be constructed in two or three phases, where you build a portion, uh, put traffic over onto it, demolish a portion rebuild in its place, put traffic over to there, and, and then uh, finish off the remainder. So um, it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a more involved construction process uh, with, with staging, traffic staging required uh, along the way, and obviously longer duration uh, construction uh, would be the case uh, with either the first or the second alternative, um, and more impact to traffic along the way. Moving to the second interchange location, uh, Freitas Parkway Civic Center Drive. Uh, our project uh, will have two alternatives here. And the reason we're not looking at a, a bridge replacement uh, is that um, our traffic operations don't see any significant deficiencies of the overcrossing itself. And we feel that we can accommodate the bike pet improvements 
um, through reconfiguration of the existing overcrossing structure. And the two alternatives here, they're, they're actually quite similar in, in terms of, of what's happening on the bridge. Uh, but one alternative would have traffic signalers, traffic signal improvements um, at the primary interchange of Del Prisio, Del Prisio and Northgate, whereas the um, alternative two would have uh, traffic circles at those locations. On the east side of the interchange, uh, is another traffic circle which is under development by, by Caltrans as a separate project. That will be an existing condition for us, uh, and we have minor improvements, if, if, if any, at that location uh, that tie into that with, with the 12 foot uh, multi use pathway running on the northerly side of the existing bridge. Alameda del Prado, we have uh, also, two, two, uh, two, two, two alternatives, the base, the base uh, studies from the feasibility study, uh, one with signalized intersections again, and, and the other with, with, with traffic circles. Uh, both of those have uh, options for um, the grade-separated uh, bikeway over and above. As, as with Freitas, we would reconfigure the existing Highway 101 overcrossing to allow for a 12-foot uh, multi-use path. This is time uh, on the south side. Uh, we also have options and have taken the recommendations of uh, some of the advocacy groups here to try and uh, incorporate a grade-separated connection uh, to as, as part of the north-south greenway uh, to take Alanido Prado uh, bike and pedestrian uh, movements, grade-separate them at the southbound ramps and tie them directly into the Pacheco Hill uh, pathway, uh, passing underneath the the uh, uh, Nave Drive overcrossing. So that's an option uh, that we can consider as uh, to implement with the project or without, or maybe a subsequent phase, uh, but it would uh, allow for better, better connectivity to the um, Pacheco Hill trail uh, without going through two additional uh, intersections there. And this is the alternative with uh, traffic circles at the, the, the uh, two primary uh, intersections. We will extend the bike facilities here to tie in uh, going north on the east side of 101, tie into an existing trail uh, at the top, top left hand corner there. So that was a, an extension and expansion of the project uh, again, uh, to, to incorporate uh, feedback received. Um, that's it for the, uh, just a brief overview of the of the study alternatives. Um, things will progress as we get deeper into the technical analyses. And as I mentioned, when you, we get into the environmental phase, things are really opened back up, um, both in terms of the agencies and the, and the public, uh, as they go through a scoping exercise so maybe new ideas come to light. But again, the purpose of the PID is to be able to, to, to uh, program that next phase. Uh, and so today we're looking for concurrence with the, with the, with the scope of the improvements, the, uh, the alternatives under consideration. Uh, we will be continuing with more detailed technical analyses uh, over the next several months. 
uh, and seek Caltrans approval uh, with the documentation required from them for the project initiation document. Um, once we uh, have those studies complete, we'll come back to the executive committee uh, to report on those findings and see if there are any changes or modifications or, or uh, issues of note uh, as we work towards trying to find uh, some funding to take this to the next phase. Again, this PID is looking at three interchange locations, which is quite unusual uh, in something that's not, in fact, a corridor study, uh, but it's the way that Caltrans wanted to document this. It doesn't mean that the projects will uh, all go forward at the same time. Uh, they, can, they, they will go on, to, on separate tacks uh, for the environmental phase. That uh, concludes the update here. Available for any questions? Commissioner Catrano, do you have any questions? Um, I I just have one question, and thank, thank you for the maps and the packet. They were super helpful as far as the alternatives are concerned. Uh, I think my my only question at this time is that when we as as we move forward with the PID, will all of these alternatives move forward with the PID document and be carried through to the Caltrans approval phase, and and when it comes back to us at at the PID completion, or are you looking for you know, any sort of feedback at this stage about any of these alternatives? Well, feedback is all, always welcome. Um, I, I think at this point we have narrowed down a reasonable range of alternatives to study. And as I say, when you get into scoping in the, in the environmental phase, the next phase, it really opens up the door again. At least you have the, the, the general scope, the purpose and need, and the framework of the project uh, laid out and the, the, the the level of effort from a programming standpoint uh, in place to uh, to complete that documentation. The PID will um, give conceptual approval to all three interchange uh, locations, but they will proceed on, on a separate uh, basis, depending on how successful TAM might be in either uh, programming some, some uh, measure monies or receiving some grant uh, awards to, uh, to move to the next phase. Anything further, Commissioner Petrano? No, I don't think so. That's that's very helpful, and I'm excited to, to see this move forward. Okay, is there any public comment? Yes. Matthew Hartzell, please unmute. Thank you. This is Matt Hartzell with WTB TAM, and I want to thank everybody involved with this these studies. It's, it's really exciting to see some of our interchanges here in Marin going full modernization, including multimodal access. And it's great to see that all of the options it looks like include at the very least a new multimodal path that crosses the freeway at these three interchanges. And it's also great to see that some of the options include um, above and beyond that, which has great separation of that pathway um, kind of weaving through the interchanges um, rather than putting bicyclists and pedestrians crossing at grade the paths of freeway on-ramps and off-ramps. That's really the key here. It's a major safety improvement having that grade separation. And so we're, we're excited to see those options on the table. We know that this isn't the end of the process, but we do urge the commissioners to um, try to prioritize and optimize those grade separated options as much as possible as we go forward and point out that there are um, many 
great examples of this across the Bay Area and District 4 of Caltrans, other interchanges on our freeway system that have been updated and including grade separated multi-use pathways through the interchanges. It costs a little more money, but it's a, just a fraction of what the roadway portion of the project costs. And I think it's really worth it in terms of um, improving public access and multimodal connectivity and safety. So thank you for including um, these options. We've um, sent some additional kind of illustrations of what those grade separated facilities might look like to, um, added to the public record. So I hope you have a chance to see those. Um, thank you. Thank you. Do we have any further public comment? Yes. Warren Wells, please unmute. Hi, this is Warren Wells, the Marin County Bicycle Coalition. Um, again, I really uh, appreciate uh, all the work here that's being done and, and particularly addressing the feedback from us and others regarding, uh, regarding the provision of separate bike pad pathways. You know, as all of you know, US 101 is, is the, the biggest barrier to east-west travel by bicycle and Marin, and the most challenging part of almost any ride uh, is crossing through one of its many interchanges. Um, and as we all know, our interchanges don't change very often, meaning that each time we touch one of these structures, we're building for the next half century. So, you know, we're getting ourselves to 2020 or 2075, sorry, hard to even say that. So let's make sure we get this right and build for the for a future where far more people will be traveling by bike and by foot. And the gold standard, as Matt mentioned, uh, you know, is a separate path going across 101 and having grade separated crossings of the on and off ramps. Um, and um, as uh, Matt Hartzell pointed out, there are a lot of great examples of, of projects like this going in across the Bay. I, I'd urge looking at the 101 Dela Cruz Trimble interchange in Santa Clara. It's, it's under construction now. It's it's very very exciting. Um, just a couple uh, quick questions on the presentation. The East Blythdale Alternative Three, which is the one they added at the request of Caltrans, um, that didn't appear to have a multi-use path on the bridge structure or, or a separate bike ped path. And I wanted to make sure I was understanding that correctly. Um, and this may have been a typo, but I just wanted to understand the Nabe interchange mentions widening the overcrossing to add a third eastbound lane, and I wasn't sure I understood that. Um, but all in all, uh, really exciting work, um, and thank you to Tam and the consulting staff um, for everything going on here. I look forward to uh, working with all you going forward. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, as you know, uh, this is not an appropriate uh, place to answer questions, but I'm sure that uh, staff will take consideration of the questions that you have raised uh, and uh, deal with them in an appropriate manner. Is there any further public comment? Yes. Leo Bazard, please unmute. Good afternoon uh, to all members of the, of the board and the committee. Um, my name is Leo Bazard. I'm an intern at the Office of Supervisor Sackett. And uh, I would like to ask the board to consider what are we actually counting? Are we counting cars or are we counting people when we are measuring how, what goes through these interchanges? Widening any sort of road or bridge is a very expensive process. It is also very time consuming. And, I, and I'd like to uh, just make sure that the enough people are being served to warrant the admittedly very large costs are going into this. And the second question I had was also, 
was there any consideration for a bike for sorry a bus lane to be put on some of these uh, bridges to to encourage a more to encourage more transit traffic thank you thank you is there any further pu public comment yes jean severinghouse please unmute yes thank you um i'm um, saddened to see that the bus ramps, uh, the freeway bus pads, which make for the minimal transit bus times up and down 101 are all being moved into stoplights um, and off freeway pads. And I know that's a fight that's ongoing with, between the bus companies and Caltrans, but would you please list the delay that it adds on every interchange to be sure to give us the time delay to the through bus passengers for doing that? And the second is that if you're going to the expense of on the Tiburon, um, it, it seems that the best thing you could do is build a separate bike and ped crossing um, to keep the bikes and pets safe there. There's no really good way for school children and that school district spans both sides to get onto both sides of the freeway. So um, a vote for that piece of alternative two to have the separated bikeway. Thank you. Thank you. Any further comment? I don't see any additional hands raised at this time. Okay. Uh, that concludes our discussion of this measure, I think. And that concludes uh, our agenda. So we are adjourned. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all.